the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, January the 19th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today, 1953, CBS TV aired the widely watched, and it was, episode of I Love Lucy. Lucy Ricardo, played by Lucille Ball, as most of us remember, she gave birth on the show, on the TV show. It was an episode where she and her husband were having a baby, and and she gave birth to little Ricky, who was on the TV show later, as you know, if you watched it, and most have seen at least some of the episodes. Well, inc- <laughs> coincidentally, Lu- uh, Lucille Ball, on the same day that they taped that TV show, where she was having a baby on the TV program, make-believe, she actually had a baby because she was pregnant. She actually had their child that same day. She went from the television studio where they were producing it over to the hospital. So she had two babies in one day, kind of. One on television for the program that was make-believe and one that was real. I thought that was kind of interesting. Television has changed so much, hasn't it, over the years? Remember when television, really the primary interest of TV was to entertain the people that watched? Not so much anymore. It's all about indoctrinating, changing people's views, denigrating important aspects of our culture. It's all changed. I know that sounds like someone over 40, but it has. I think we all know that. Today, in 1942, during World War II, Japanese forces captured the British Protectorate of North Barneo. Today, in 1987, Guy Hunt became Alabama's first Republican governor since 1874. He was sworn into office. He succeeded George Wallace. Today, in 2005, the American Cancer Society reported that cancer had passed heart disease as the top killer of Americans age 85 and younger. Today in 2009, interestingly enough, Russia and Ukraine signed a deal restoring natural gas shipments to Ukraine and paving the way for an end to the nearly two-week cutoff of most Russian gas to to freezing Europe. Well, that was then. This is now. Now Russia's blowing up the country, Ukraine. Ten years ago today, Thousands of gun advocates gathered peacefully at state capitals all across the United States. They were there to rally against stricter limits on firearms. There is a regular daily drumbeat by the left for more and more and more regulations on guns because they believe, or they say they believe, that will reduce crime and will have peace in the valley. It's not true. The guns are not the problem. Sin is the problem. And people need to embrace that. Some people that know it are afraid to say it out loud, but it is true. It's not about guns or knives or swords or spears or whatever. 
It's about the condition of the human heart. And that's why the gospel must be preached in all everything we do and all the time. Remember when I was talking about Kirk Cameron? He's an actor. He's I, I don't I've never met him, but I, I have friends that know him well. And they say that he is the real deal. He's sold out to Jesus. And I think every evidence is that that's true. Well, he, among other things, he's been writing a series. He has a number of kids, he and his wife, four or five kids, I think. And he's been writing these uh, uh, faith-based books. And they're, I guess, really well done. There's several of them now in the series. Anyway, he came out with this one uh, recently. And I was talking about it for a few moments on this program. And uh, his new book is called As You Grow. And um, so his publishing company contacted the libraries across the country. And I mentioned this on the program just a few weeks ago. And I told you that he, um, the publishing company contacted all the libraries. And it's pretty common for authors to come to libraries and they do a reading. They read part or all of their book, depending on how long it is, of course. And so the library contacted these, or the the publisher contacted these libraries across the country, and two of one, all of them declined when they saw what the book was about. And it, it's not, I mean, I mean, it is Christian, it's faith based, and it's certainly wholesome for kids. And that's why he wrote it. But it's not teaching doctrinal issues in the book. It's just uh, bringing up more of a focus on somebody bigger than you and me. Uh, about God. But, oh no, they wouldn't have any part of that. These are the same libraries that have regularly these perverts in there as drag queens reading to little kids and their mothers sitting there on little chairs while these guys loom over them and read these books. And boy, that bothers me. I can't tell you the emotion I feel over that issue. I love kids. And I see these kids being dragged in front of these perverted men acting like drag queens. So anyway, these libraries that host these kinds of events regularly wanted nothing to do with Kirk Cameron and his book. So the publishing company threatened to sue the libraries. Well, the libraries probably didn't have the money to, or they didn't want to spend the money to defend themselves. So a few of them started caving in. And they got back, once they mentioned lawsuit, they got back and they said, well, you know, maybe we'll consider it, but we won't promote it. We won't tell anybody he's going to be here and so on. So two libraries in the beginning, and again, I told you this much, but let me tell you the rest of the story. Two libraries said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have him. I mean, one of them was kind of, I don't know if anyone will show up, but we'll have him and blah, blah, blah. One of the libraries was about... 20 or 30 miles out of New York City. I think it was in Scarsdale, uh, which would be considered, I guess, a suburb, sort of. Uh, but anyway, that's where he went. The other one was in Los Angeles. It was about 30 miles out of town as well, in a suburb. I think it was in Placentia. And in fact, it was at the library there. So anyway, he had the event on Saturday night. Well, or Saturday afternoon. Well, they had not advertised it, of course. But Kurt had gotten the word out, and uh, Kirk Cameron is well known. And they had the event on on uh, Saturday afternoon, and a thousand people, a thousand kids, and their parents showed up. A thousand. 
Well, <laughs> the library, of course, was overwhelmed by that. And uh, the celebrity's publisher told the Washington Examiner that there were at least a, th- uh, a thousand children and parents that showed up for that reading this past Saturday. Cameron said afterwards, he told the press, he said, all the forces of darkness are no match for moms and dads who are committed to God and to their family and to teaching their children. The success of the Christian Actors Story Hours comes after the public libraries. The article said across the U.S. reportedly declined or ignored their requests. Cameron said the libraries at which he has read the book now, this is the second or third one, they refused to publicly advertise the Story Hour events. Instead, he said he's been renting the space and promoting it himself, calling the response from the local communities overwhelming. Well, I would say that that's true. And I just wanted to make you aware of that little report because so many times Christians are kind of pushed into the corner and we're stuffed in a jar and they put the lid on us or whatever. And we keep standing for what we believe, of course. But uh, Cameron told the told the press and he, he seizes the opportunity to, to use the press and he does it to the glory of God, and which is remarkable and, and commendable. But he, said, he told the press, he said, we need to get back to the Word of God. He said, that's the problem in America. If you have a chance in your area, if he comes to your area to a library, be sure to, if you can, support him with your kids or grandkids or whatever. It's a wonderful thing that he's doing with these books. I, I, I haven't read his, that, that book through, but I did read a summary of it. And it was, as I thought it would be, it's very good. And, and it's, it's uh, something that every child should read jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says call unto me and i will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not i got that verse from a couple who regularly support this ministry and have for a number of years i don't believe i've ever met them i don't recall that i have but i do appreciate their support and each month they send a verse with their support they sent this verse. I got it a few couple of days ago. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. There's so much in that verse. I could speak for a half an hour on that verse. I'm not, but we could. There's so much in that verse. It's a verse that I've looked at and read and recalled and checked it out. I don't know how many times in my life of ministry, in my entire adult life, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That can mean so many different things, and it applies to so many parts of our life. The thing that I took from that this time that I read it, and I don't know how many times, I mean, it could be hundreds and perhaps a thousand times, I don't know, but many times. But the Word of God is so unique, it speaks to us in new ways each time we read chapters or verses that we've read before. God's Word is living. It is dynamic. It is infallible. It is the truth. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, we're told, but God's Word will never pass away. That is the one thing that we can stand on, build our life on, build our house on, as opposed to the sand, and we can count on that God, if God says it, we can build our life on that principle. And God, throughout our life, as we 
serve him and walk with him, God continues to show us great and mighty things in regards to life and to our service and to our walk with him. And he shows us things that we wouldn't know otherwise, or we don't know. And he reveals that in every aspect of our life, our family, our faith, what we do, what we do for a living, and all this stuff, God continues to reveal himself and show himself strong and mighty and loving and forgiving. He restores. He forgives. He does great things through people that are not so great. (laughs) They're just ordinary people. Mighty things which we can't even know or understand, he helps us to grasp and implement in our lives. There was a doctor who appeared prominently in the media during the pandemic. She acknowledged this week she is not neither a Christian nor I don't think she's a Christian. She never made that that claim as far as I know. She became publicly known in in the nation when she became the director of Planned Parenthood. Uh, she's Asian. Liana Wynn is her name. She uh, was fired by, <laughs> I don't know why they ever hired her in the first place, because they didn't like her once they got her in place, but they fired her soon after they had hired her. But Liana Wynn was the former Planned Parenthood director, or she was like, I thought she was CEO maybe, but whatever, she was running the, the organization. And she kept calling for more transparency, Once she got in office there and got control of Planned Parenthood, well, they didn't like that. And the board of Planned Parenthood fired her. They said, you know, basically they were saying, we don't want any transparency here. We want darkness and we want the veil to be dropped and so on. They didn't want people to know what was going on behind the scenes. But anyway, so they fired her and she ended up working, uh, doing some on-air stuff for CNN. And she writes for the Washington Post so that gives you an idea of where she's coming from. She she isn't one of us as a conservative. And as I said, I'm pretty sure she doesn't claim to be a Christian. But anyway, she said in a Post article uh, today in, in the uh, Washington Post, she said hospitals are still routinely testing everyone who's getting admitted for COVID. She said we need to address this. She said, has said recently in the last few days that we need more transparent reporting on the real numbers of COVID in the hospitals. Now, she, um, she, she is the former director of the Baltimore City Health Department. She has been in medicine and she's recognized as a leader. But here's what she said. She said, we're seeing people who are hospitalized with COVID and I think it's important uh, to separate out who is being hospital, hospitalized because of it, because there are a lot of people who are still very concerned about their risk from COVID, and we need to give them the most accurate data possible so that they can better gauge their risks. She said there are people still not resuming indoor dining or going to the gym or socializing. We have to give them the most accurate reporting as possible. In her piece in the Washington Post, she says that the current uh, Centers for Disease Control, CDC, uh, she said their, their data shows that about 400 people are dying from the virus every day. She then asked a question that many others have been asking, including myself. But are these Americans dying from COVID or with COVID? 
There are other infectious disease doctors that are asking the same question. There's a growing chorus of people saying, what's going on here with our hospitals? They're misleading America. It is about the money, and I've talked about that on this program before. But this Robin uh, Drettler, I think is the way you pronounce his name, he's an attending physician at Emory Decatur Hospital. He's the former president of Georgia's chapter of Infectious Diseases Society of America. He estimates that at his hospital in Georgia, 90% of the patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for some other illness. 90% in his hospital. I don't know if that's the average or what, but 90% in his hospital are there for some other reason. There's so much deception in our world today, and there's so much pushing and trying to twist and manipulate people's beliefs and their thinking and certainly their actions. I want to talk to you today about a subject and follow me very closely today, but I want to talk to you about recycling. (laughs) It's a religion, and that's why I want to talk to you about it. Stay with me on this. Whether you believe in recycling or not, just stay with me. Most of us know, because we've at least seen the movie, maybe we've read the Bible, I hope you've read it in the Bible, the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, God has said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, his words on the matter, delivered by Moses, are written in both the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy. Israel was infatuated with other gods at various times in their history, and it's recorded in the Old Testament. The New Testament Christians have been instructed to have no other gods before me, but have also been drawn to other gods, false religions. Perhaps never more than today. Climate change has become a religion, with many in today's enlightened so-called Christian culture. So has progressivism, and the LGBTQ agenda, and humanism. Even atheism is a religion, by definition. Even abortion advocates have created a religion according to Webster's definition of religion, calling it women's health care. They worship it, and they lie about it. It isn't health care. It's killing unwanted, unborn children. Here's what Webster, how they define religion. One, a personal set of institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices and two, a cause, a principle, or symptoms, or a system of beliefs held held to with ardor and faith. Recycling has become a religion. It, too, is a false religion, but it serves as a great illustration. For decades, we've been told to recycle to save the planet. There's always been resistance to new religions by people usually considered not to be progressive or simply old-school holding on to the old paths, as Jeremiah talked about. Many years ago, John Tierney, he was the, at that time, he was the science editor for the New York Times. He wrote an article for the New York Times magazine, and it was titled, Recycle is Garbage. Tierney is not known to be old school. He is not even a, really a conservative, but he sure figured out about the religious aspect of the climate change movement and recycling in particular. I want to share a part of his article with you. Just listen up as I tell you how he started this article, because I'm going to tell you what the response to it was. 
His article begins with, as they put on plastic gloves for their first little litter hunt, the third graders knew what to expect. They knew their garbage. It was part of their science curriculum at Bridges Elementary Public School on West 17th Street in Manhattan. They had learned the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. And they discussed how to stop their parents from using paper plates. For Earth Day, they had read a scholastic science publication, Inside the World of Trash. For homework, they had kept garbage diaries and drawn colored-coded charts for their family's trash. So they primed up for the field experiment on this May afternoon. We have to help the Earth, Natasha Newman explained as she and her classmates dashed around the school collecting specimens. Their science teacher, Lynette Aponte, she meditated and mediated the disputes. I saw that gum wrapper first, and so on. And supervised the subsequent analysis of data back in the classroom. The students gathered around to watch her dump all their bags of garbage on the floor. Do you see any pattern as I'm emptying it? Miss Aponte asked. Yeah, it stinks. Everybody's chewing winter fresh. A lot of paper napkins. It's disgusting. They're throwing away a folder. That's a perfectly good folder, even though it was only half a folder. And there was this. Miss Aponte finished emptying the last bag. We've been learning about the need to reduce, reuse, and recycle, she said, and pointed at the pile. How does this make you feel? Bad, the students all moaned in unison. Miss Aponte separated out two bottles the only items in the pile that could be recycled. Without realizing it, the third graders had beautifully re re reproduced the results of a grand national experiment begun in 1987, the year they were born. Back then, the three R's had nothing to do with garbage. There's more, but you get the point of this article that he wrote in the New York Times Magazine, and he was the science editor at the time. But the New York Magazine rebelled after he had written this article and they had published it. It got more hate mail about this article than any other article in the history of the New York Magazine. And it was hate mail. Recycling teaches the parallel themes that previous generations of our school children learned from various books, McGuffey readers and so on, or books like Pilgrim's Progress. Have you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? If you, if not, you should just make that a little goal this year and read that book. It's it's inspiring, and it, you you can see why it's so famous when you read it. it. It's a wonderful read. It's it's a great book. But today's school children, though, might be confused by one character that's encountered on Bunyan's Road to Salvation, a man, the source of our word muckraker, who is busy raking together a compost pile. This recycler of household waste isn't presented as a role model for the pilgrim. He's a symbol of moral blindness because instead of looking up to see the heavenly rewards awaiting for him, he could look no way but downwards with a muckrake in his hand, Bunyan writes in Pilgrim's Progress. In Bunyan's time, it would have been hard to Imagine pilgrims would one day be taught to search for salvation right down there in the muck. Still searching 
in the muck in America. John Stossel picked up on this over the weekend, and he wrote an article yesterday in which he said, the ugly truth is that many recyclables said to recycling plants are never recycled. The worst is plastic. He said even Greenpeace now says plastic recycling is a dead-end street. That's a quote. Stossel's produced a documentary, and he's produced a lot. He used to be uh, one of the anchors on uh, ABC television, as you may recall. He's included in this new documentary that he's made, none other than John Tierney. You should check it out. It's worth the time. I put that in an article that I wrote today in ourfaithandfreedom.us website. You can check it out there. You can watch watch his film there, in fact, his documentary. But it's even more true today, says Tierney in the new video, recycling is an industry that uses increasingly expensive labor to produce materials that are less and less. It would be smarter to just dump our garbage in landfills. People think landfills are horrible polluters, but they're not. He said regulations, occasionally the government gets it right, he says. They make sure today's landfills have protective barriers so they don't leak. Eventually, the landfills are turned into good things, he says like ski hills or parks and golf courses and so on. But we're running out of landfill space, he says, they say. He says, no, America has more space than we will ever need. Sometimes states and businesses even compete to get our garbage. He said, you think of the United States as a football field. He said, all the garbage that we'll ever generate in the next 1,000 years will fit inside a tiny fraction of a one-inch line. Putting garbage in landfills is often much cheaper than recycling. He said my town, he lives in New York, he said my town would save $340 million a year if they just stopped recycling. But they won't because people demand it. He said it's a sacrament of the green religion. The religion's commandments are complex. They give you all these rules. Creates a lot of pollution. And he said a lot of confusion. I hope this has given you some insight reading the extremism in the green movement. It became a religion for many of our kids. So is humanism. So is progressivism. So is atheism. So is transgenderism. And so is the LGBTQ movement and other social movements. My concern about all of this, and I do agree with what they're saying about recycling, But my concern is that America is not necessarily turning away from God. We keep seeing these polls come out and the surveys from Pew and Rasmus and all the rest of them. And it shows there's a turning away from God or a turning away from Christianity in in the data. But I'm wondering if there isn't something else going on that isn't reflected in that data. And I believe that the turning away from God that we see is not necessarily an outright rejection of God and rejection of God himself and his word, but rather there's a weaving of God and his word into the many new religions being created to advance social and political issues. If you look at every one of the issues today, the social issues, you see you see there's a almost always a religious connection to it. The LGBTQ has co-opted the Bible and that God is love to show you that what they do is not really immoral. It's godly because God made me this way. And on uh, transgenders and so on and on and on it goes. I see us turning 
not away from God in the sense, but incorporating a lot of other gods and other religions into what we call Christianity, and that concerns me. Paul addressed that in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.